to John chapter 11. And here we begin. And I'm going to share with you verse 1, 2, and 3. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in this place, in this time, this story, relevant beyond the ages. It's relevant for eternity. It's relevant for right now. It's relevant for tomorrow. It's relevant whenever we're on the mountain with you and when we're struggling, when we find answers to prayer and when we don't. All these things happen in this story. Heavenly Father, remind us we are the one whom you love. Heavenly Father, as you pour out your word to us, may we find what we need this morning. And to that end, may the words in my mouth, the meditations in our hearts, and the thoughts in our minds be acceptable in your sight. Lord God, you are our strength, our rock, and you are my Redeemer. Amen. This passage comes in a very interesting way. Jesus is in Bethany. But he's not in the Bethany of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. There's a second Bethany about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem. And we find in chapter 10 that Jesus has been sought after to be stoned. They wanted to kill him in the area where Mary and Martha live. And so Jesus retreats and begins to do ministry about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem. Now Bethany, where Mary and Martha are living at this time, is two miles from Jerusalem. So he's about anywhere from 18 to 22 miles away when this story begins. Now here's a couple things you need to know. Number one, they knew where he was. So they knew Jesus was stationed there and had been doing his ministry from that place ever since he was, uh, shall we say, threatened his life by the uh, Jewish authorities. You even see in chapter 10, verse 31, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus escaped that. Now here we find in chapter 11, a certain man named Lazarus sick. It is this man who Jesus cares about tremendously. Even when they send word, they said, the one whom you love is sick. Later in the chapter, we see Jesus calls Lazarus his and the disciples' friend. He's their friend. There are very few people Jesus calls friend in the New Testament. However, in John chapter 15, he says, I call you friends when he was speaking to his disciples and no longer disciples. You are my friends and my friends I share everything with. Now here's something interesting. 
I believe not only did Jesus have a very good relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but I think he told them things that we don't know what he said. Obviously, when Martha was fretting about preparing a meal for Jesus, Mary sitting at his feet, we don't know the discourse of the conversation between Jesus and Mary. But Jesus and Mary have a very special bond in the New Testament, very close. It is in this passage where it says, in verse 2, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. That Mary, that doesn't happen until the next chapter. It's in chapter 12 where Martha is serving a supper. Sound familiar? And Lazarus is sitting at the table with Jesus and Mary takes out the oil in verse 3 and anoints Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair and the whole house smells like the oil. So John is alluding to something that those who are listening to the story already know. That Mary is that Mary. We don't know it until we read the next chapter, so I'm letting you know what the people who are hearing this story already know. They also know that Lazarus is a friend. That they care for one another. And I I would propose to you that the conversation that Jesus is having with Mary at that time when she is sitting at his feet is how he's going to die. Who he really is. And she is absorbing this information so much so that when she anoints his feet with oil, very expensive oil, he says to the crowd, especially to Judas, who wants that sold to give to the poor, this she saved to anoint me for my death. How would she know to save it unless she knew he was going to die? How can she save it for Jesus' death when she doesn't know for sure she's going to outlive him unless he tells her? You understand there's more to the story that we don't see at face value. But she has saved it for his death knowing that he would die before her, and so she anoints him before death. And isn't it interesting that after Jesus dies, they want to go back to the tomb and anoint him again? Well, she took care of it ahead of time, didn't she? Because she didn't get a chance after he died because he wasn't there. So Mary has this relationship with Jesus. And we hear as this story goes along two different understandings of who Jesus is. And it's amazing as we go through how clear this is when you hear the one side who knows and understands and the other side who has all these doubts. And let me share this with you that sometimes we are on both sides of the story. And it's okay according to Jesus That sometimes we believe, but at times we struggle with belief. When the man came down uh, with his son, the disciples to try and cure his son of a demon, they couldn't do it. Jesus 
came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, looked at the man and said, what's going on? He said, I brought to my son with his wicked spirit to your disciples. They couldn't cast him out. And Jesus says, do you believe? He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but there's a part of me that still doesn't know for sure. In other words, yes, you were good to me before God, but what about now? Yes, you brought me through some tough times, but what about this one? I've been on a mountain with you, God, but I'm not now. Are you still here? Are you going to bring me back out? Or am I going to go back and stay in this valley forever? How are you going to handle this? Do I believe that God is with me and knows my need in the worst portions of my life as well? And here we have a family in that lowest place. Their brother has died. He was sick. Sent word to Jesus and now he's dead. They sent word to Jesus with time enough to get there to help him. Jesus, in that society, should have come immediately. It doesn't say that in the scripture. It says something far different. In that society, at that time, and in that culture, if your friend had a dire need, it didn't matter what was going on, you dropped it, you left the pot of stew on the stove to burn up if you needed to, if it was there, and you went. That was first. The dearest friends came first. They sent for Jesus. Your friend, the one that you love, The one who matters so much to you is sick. That means drop everything and come now. And Jesus heard it and he said, this sickness isn't unto death, but for the glory of God. And that phrase, for the glory of God, if you underline things in your Bible, underline for the glory of God. You're going to see that repeated. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's verse 5. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Huh. What? He has just violated the cultural custom and brought shame on himself for not doing what was right. It was not expected for him to not come immediately. However, also known was that if he showed up in Judea, he would be arrested. He had to make his entrance somehow without the authorities knowing he was coming. So, was Jesus going to come or not? Was he going to risk his life for his friend? Was he going to risk the disciples' lives for his friend? Or was he going to stay away? And for two days, he stayed away. After those two days, he said, let's go to Judea. Let's go. Time. And his disciples said to him in verse 8, Lately the Jews seek to stone you. (laughs) 
lately. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying for quite a while, and they still are, and they want you dead. Are you sure you want to go there? Sometimes we get put in pretty treacherous spots to serve others. And Jesus says, after a brief discourse, our friend is asleep. Our friend. But let's go wake him up. And his disciple says, well, if he's just sleeping, he'll get well. They don't understand. Here it is. Get this. The first sight of Jesus. Jesus is asleep. So we think, uh, Lazarus is asleep. That's what Jesus says. So they think Jesus means he's just sleeping a sickness off. And they don't understand that Jesus means sleep as in death. For Jesus, death means going to sleep. And that if you go to sleep, you can be woke up. If you die, you can be woke up. It's as easy as waking someone up for him. For us, we can't resurrect the dead. It's not that easy for us. It's impossible for you and I to wake up someone who's dead, who Jesus says is sleeping. He even tells us that Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about resting. So Jesus says very clear. In verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And I am thankful for your sakes that I wasn't there that you might believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. <laughs> okay, Lazarus is dead. Let's go to him. Do you catch that? What does it sound like he's asking them to do? He's dead. Let's go see him. How are you and I going to join our deceased loved ones? Let's go see them. Let's go to them. The only way we can do that is by dying. And so this is what the disciples think. And every time God has an answer for us, it sounds opposite of what we expect. But we don't know what he's doing. And so the part of us says, okay, God... We'll do it your way. It makes no sense. It's not going to work. But we'll do it your way. And hear this. This is so wonderful on the Gospel of John's part. Thomas, the one called the twin. Remember, I said there's two parts of every person in this story. Thomas the twin catches this. And he says, Yes, let's go so we can die and be with Lazarus. You catch that? He's dead. Let's go die and be with him. After all, they're going to stone you. They're going to take us. They'll probably stone us. Let's, uh, he's predicting. Here's his prophecy. We're all going there to die. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? After all, Jesus said, let's go be with the dead guy. Our friend who's dead, let's go be with him. Is it possible Jesus might have meant something else? 
Is it possible when we pray and ask God for an answer that He might mean something else in what He says He's going to do and we don't understand His purpose or His intention for it yet? Do you think maybe He has an agenda that we don't understand or that His thoughts and His plans are different? I think so. So Jesus comes. And by the way, this Thomas guy, we call him Doubting Thomas. That's the guy we call Doubting Thomas who when he was converted, we talked about uh, several months ago in a message how he converted India. (laughs) That he changed the landscape of that country for Christianity. So this Thomas is the one who's the doubter and he's not done in this story. He's got another part. But we don't catch it if we're not looking for it. Because Thomas is called the twin. Let me share with you, his name is not Thomas. The word Thomas means twin. They have James and John, who are brothers, who are twins, and they call them James and John, then they got the twin. So you got a singleton out of a set of twins, and a set of twins there. Like my sons are James and Johnny, if you had just one twin there with them, you'd say, oh, look, the twin. Well, you're not going to say, well, which one is it? Because the twin is the one without his brother there or his sister. So James and Johnny, you would call James or Johnny. But the twin is alone, you call, well, that's the twin. Thomas means the twin. That's not his name. We don't know his name. We throughout the years, have called him the twin. That's the word for twin. Nowhere does it say this is his given name. Nowhere. Think about that for a moment. So, if John is calling him the twin, then the twin is speaking out of one side of the two parts of the way we see Christ. And Thomas always does that when he's speaking. He reveals either a truth about Christ or a truth about his questioning of who Christ is. And in this one, he's doing two things, Thomas is. Let's go see our friend. Let's go die. He's saying, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. And there are some people who will not. He's going to risk his life because Jesus says, let's go be with Lazarus. Let's go and die. I'll go. That is resolution. He might have been a little nervous, but if Jesus was willing, he was willing to go there. Let me tell you something. Jesus is willing to go wherever you go. And he's willing to lead you through some scary places. And he knows the outcome already. So they go. They're not yet in Bethany. In verse 17, it says, they found that he'd already been dead in the tomb four days. Four days. Jewish tradition at that time said, on the first three days, the spirit hovers around the body in case it comes back to life. On the fourth day, the Spirit gives up and leaves. This is 
the fourth day. Now, I don't know where that belief came from. I don't know if someone was dead three days and said, yeah, my spirit was just about to leave. It was almost the fourth day and I came back to life. Therefore, that's where that came from. I don't know. But I do know that's what they believe. And, and, and we as people believe some mighty funny things. We believe a lot of crazy things that aren't true. For many years, people believed this world was flat. You could look out anywhere you're standing, you can kind of see the circumference, and everything looks round. And when you look out there, but they say it's flat. Doesn't look flat to me. But everybody believed it. Did that make it true? No. Just because you believe something is true doesn't make it true. The only thing that trumps is truth. Truth trumps. That means truth is not something you argue with. I promise you, there's not anybody here who's going to argue that 2 plus 2 equals 4. It would make no sense. That's just a simple elementary mathematical truth. You can say, well, to what? And two of what? If you put two eggs with uh, two cups of flour, you're not going to have four cups of flour. You know, people might argue it like that, but two things with two other things, you get four things. It just is logical. You can't argue that. Someone could say, well, no, I don't believe that, therefore it's not true. Doesn't make any sense. For someone to argue a simple elemental truth. Well here it is. They believe the spirit is there. Three days. Fourth day. It's gone. However. If someone were to come alive after four days. Then they'd have to wonder with what they believe is true or not. Wouldn't they? Because if they believe it's true and Jesus has changed that truth, then they have to believe in Him. Completely. Because He has trumped truth. But if it's a belief, and He trumps your belief, you don't have to believe Him. Hear that. If Jesus trumps what you believe, you still don't have to believe in Him. But Jesus says, I am truth. And you can't trump truth. So Jesus is going forward. And he's outside Bethany. And the mourners are gathered with Mary and Martha to comfort them in their home. And Martha heard Jesus was coming. She gets up and goes to see him. Greatest discourse, I think, in this passage. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What took you so long? Why did you wait when we sent for you? You could have saved his life. It's four days. It's too late. Have you ever wanted to tell God he was too late? Martha's telling Jesus you're too late. You failed. You should have been here when he died. You could have at least been here with the mourners like a true friend would do. 
like you're supposed to do, like we expected. Why are you here late? And she says, but even now, even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Hear this. I know, hear the word know there? I know that whatever God you ask Him to do, He will give it to you. I know this. And listen to what Jesus says. This is great. She knows it, right? That means 100% she knows it. I know God will do it for you because this is truth. Or is it what she believes? Can't argue truth now. We can argue what you believe. And so Jesus says, your brother will rise again. <laughs> She's going, oh, I know, I know. All you got to do is say the word. It'll happen. Your brother's going to rise again. So she's going, oh good, let's go to the grave. Let's do it now. It's not what she says. She says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. No, she doesn't know. She believes. She should say, I believe whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I don't know it. We believe in Christ, but do we know he'll do? Or do we just believe he will? We just want him to, but we don't know it. How far away are we from knowing and believing? There's a difference. You can know something, but in believing it is different. The demons believe in Jesus Christ and they shudder. It doesn't make them a child of God. The devil believes in Jesus and knows who he is and that he did all these things Scripture records and that he rose. He knows it and he's not happy. He's not repentant. Just because you believe something doesn't mean it changes you. It's only when it becomes your truth. The devil's truth is I can still beat this guy. Somehow, some way. And here she says, I know, but not really. She just believes. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. That's proper theology at that time. I know. So what I've been taught, I know he'll rise again. I know you've done a lot of good things for God. I know these things are true. But here in the midst of this, she doesn't say, if you love me, if you love Lazarus, will you raise him from the dead? Can you? She doesn't ask him because she doesn't think it's possible. It goes against what she believes because the belief is after four days, it's too late. So she doesn't ask. Why? Because it's the part of us that doesn't believe God can do anything we ask that he wants to. It's God's good pleasure to give us his kingdom it's His pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit if we ask of it. It's His pleasure to give us wisdom if we would but ask. But we're, we're thinking, no, oh, I don't know if He wants to. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am life. He who believes in me Though he dies, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in him, he shall never die. Do you believe this? 
Notice he doesn't say, do you know this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. She has just thrown out her rhetoric again. She doesn't say, I know. You are the Christ. She changes her tune, doesn't she? She knows she doesn't really know. She just believes and wants it, but doesn't really know. And that's a scary place to be in this world. When you have a Savior you're not even sure about. They have tough times in life, you're not even sure if God's going to bring you through them. They have a thing in your life that you know God is there because you've had Him there before and, and now it's just not working out and you're praying and nothing's happening and you're starting to, to question whether you're worth it or God is real or God even, even cares or can or what you need to do to get God to listen or, 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 and all these different things and nothing seems to be happening. And there comes that point where you just believe but you don't know anymore. And it's at that point, that point where you don't know anymore, where God comes in and He says, this is the point where I can touch your life. But until you get to the point where it's about knowing me, not just believing me, I can't do a whole lot with your life. And she went her way after she said that. And Mary comes out, kind of a similar conversation. And she says, when she goes out to meet him, Lord, if he'd been here, he wouldn't have died. All the mourners are there with her. They're doing their job of weeping, wailing, beating their chest. Most of them women, crying helping Mary get over her loss in Martha. And Jesus sees her weeping and the Jews weeping and he groans in his spirit and he's troubled. And he's troubled for a reason. And that is because they don't believe he's resurrection power yet. And they don't know it yet. Here's what I think. That Jesus wasn't groaned and troubled in spirit when Martha who wasn't at his feet, but when Mary who was had questions. That she still didn't know who he was. And that troubled him. His very best female friend still didn't know. And so he says to her, where have you put him? And the Jews are weeping and Jews came with her weeping. And he says, where have you put him? And they said to him, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Come and see. And Jesus weeps. And the Jews around said, Look how much he loved Lazarus. Look how much he loved this man. And this is the one, the Jews, the faction, that understand who Jesus is, that he loves. And then there's the other faction talking at the same time, that doubt rising up that said, well, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Couldn't he have been here on time and done it? If he really loved him? Are you sure he really loved this man? All that doubt, there it is. And Jesus again groans in himself because I don't know who he is. 
And he goes to the tomb and he, and he says, I love this, he says, you know, it's his cave, just kind of like what he was buried in. There's a stone rolled up against He says, roll away the stone. So it says on the front of the bulletin, roll away the stone. They think they just want to see him and pay his respects. But I want to share with you something before you hear what happens. When Jesus speaks, and I want you to underline this in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives, as verse 26, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The word in should be into. Believes into me. This into type of belief is where you no longer question who he is or what his authority is in your life or in this world or what his intentions are or why. This is about a believing that goes into I know. There are a lot of people who are believers but very few people who are knowers. The believers say, I go to church, I pray, I do these things. A, a knower says, I got no one else but Jesus to guide my life. He said, the one who believes into me. Not the one who believes I am who I say I am, but the one who knows this is true, who has embraced their life and is willing to risk it all for that. Because it's truth that that has trumped the doubt in their life. When you have doubt about who Jesus is, truth has not trumped in your life. It causes Jesus to groan in His Spirit. And it's over people He loves. You and me. When we feel that way. He groans. He says, I am truth. Do you not get this? Roll away the stone. Get the junk out of the way that's an impediment to what I can do. Get rid of the things in the way. I want to see Lazarus. Get this stuff out of the way. But you don't understand. He's dead. He stinks. That's what Martha says. He stinks. Our life does stink. But roll the stone out of the way and let Jesus do what He can do. And He says, roll away the stone. And she says, it stinks. And Jesus says to her, and we underline this verse, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you would see the glory of God. And when you see the glory of God, then you can know Him. That is what he's talking about. Knowing him. If you just believe, he will show you his glory and then you will know God is truth and you will settle it once and for all. That is what transforms lives. That is what makes us different people because we belong to Christ. Without that, we're just like the demons who believe in shudder because we don't know it's all for us. How many times have we prayed and prayed and not gotten an answer? And God's trying to get us to the point where we only want Him more than what He can do. That we want Him above all. 
that He is our priority one. Nothing else is more important to us. And when that comes into play, there's not a single time a child asking a father for a loaf of bread will get a stone. He's your father. He's your father. Christ is your brother. These are truth for believers. They are not something you have to say, am I worthy? I know you can do this. No, you don't know. You believe it. You got to get to the place of knowing, not just believing. And this whole story was to get people to begin to know. And there were some who got it. And let me tell you who the first one was. Lazarus. Lazarus got it. He knew. They said when he came back, he was a different man. He was quiet. He didn't say much. He just weeped every now and then and looked around at the world and saw the travesty, how it was different than the world he was in. Lazarus was a different man. He knew the truth. And Jesus says, when you know the truth, not believe, know it, it will set you free. This is the word of God for the people of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you raised Lazarus by the power of the prayer of your son. You honored him because he honored you and he knew you were faithful. And sometimes we question your faithfulness and your ability and whether or not you can do something. Even in when the prophet was looking at the valley of dry bones, he said, prophesy to the bones. Can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel said, oh Lord, you know. You know. Dry bones, Heavenly Father, you made into a living army. Why do we try to tell you what you can't do and that you don't want to do and won't do rather than trusting that you are who you say you are your truth is who you are. Your truth is who you are in us. And we need to believe all the way into you. That we may taste that resurrection now. In our lives, in our minds, transformed. And we would know your will. Heavenly Father, that's all we ever asked was why. And it's in your will that we find it. So help us to see you clearly. To know you. To love you. And to be about the business of the Father, Heavenly Father, your business. Amen.